Good morning, and welcome to Simply Startups. It's Monday, February 26th. On today's show, venture-backed startups profit from international expansion, and there's an innovative surge in the Southeast as startups gear up with major fun. Plus, fintech startups surge ahead in the battle for consumer attention. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Startups. We start off with an interesting insight into the world of startups. New research suggests that startups that move internationally reap substantial financial benefits. According to the study, these startups raised an average of $60 million compared to $20 million raised by stationary companies, and they had a 67% higher chance of a successful exit. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Startups. Can you tell us more about this research, Bella? Certainly, David. This research was conducted by Yuan Shi, an assistant professor of management and organizations at the Cornell SC Johnson College of Business, along with his colleagues. They built and analyzed a sample of 75,000 venture-backed startups spanning 20 years. The study found that startups that moved internationally not only raised more funds and had a higher chance of successful exit, but also reached billion-dollar valuations at a rate 3.5 times higher than those that didn't. That's quite a significant difference. But what drives these startups to move internationally? Previous work suggested that companies relocate in search of employees or customers. However, this study found that startups move closer to their existing investors located in another country and tap into their networks and resources. Companies tend to move to the home countries of their foreign investors or where their domestic investors have contacts. In both cases, startups benefit from their investors' social capital, which leads to financial capital. Is there an ideal time for these startups to make the move? Yes, the research suggests that there is a strategic window for moving. The likelihood of moving peaks when the company is around three to five years old, and those moving within the first five years since the founding reap more benefits. And what about the destinations? Are there any specific countries that these startups tend to move to? While the United States was the most popular destination for startups, it also saw the highest number of companies leaving for other countries. The United Kingdom and Canada also experienced a lot of migration in and out. Interestingly, fewer than 40% of the companies that moved to the United States chose Silicon Valley. The study suggests that there is a variety of migration paths and destination choices, reflecting geographic dispersion rather than concentration. So should all startups consider moving internationally? Not necessarily. Most startups in the study did not move abroad, suggesting that moving is often difficult or unattainable. As with most things in entrepreneurial strategy, there is no one-size-fits-all solution. Startups should carefully weigh the decision to relocate, considering whether such a move could enhance capital access and garner support from existing investors at the destination. That's certainly something for startups to consider. Thanks, Bella. Speaking of startups, The Southeast's ecosystem has been buzzing with activity, marking significant strides in funding, partnerships, and community engagement. These developments not only spotlight the region's vibrant entrepreneurial spirit, but also hint at a promising trajectory for technological and economic growth. 
Here to discuss this further is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply Startups. Let's start with the impressive funding round closed by HealthSnap. Can you tell us more about that? Certainly, David. Florida-based HealthSnap recently closed a $25 million Series B funding round led by Sands Capital Ventures. This is a significant vote of confidence in HealthSnap's innovative approach to managing chronic diseases through data analytics and remote patient monitoring. The funding is set to catalyze the next phase of growth for HealthSnap, enabling it to expand its reach and enhance its platform's capabilities. That's quite an achievement. Now, there have also been some strategic partnerships in the region. Can you elaborate on those? Yes, the Georgia banking company has announced a groundbreaking partnership with the Advanced Technology Development Center. This collaboration aims to fuel economic growth and innovation within Georgia, highlighting the crucial role financial institutions can play in supporting the tech ecosystem. Additionally, the Russell Innovation Center for Entrepreneurs received a $1 million grant from Comcast NBC Universal. This funding is intended to bolster the center's digital and data science initiatives, fostering a more inclusive innovation landscape. That's a significant boost for the ecosystem. And what about the cybersecurity domain? The cybersecurity field has also received a boost with the launch of Cyber Focus, a new podcast by the McCrary Institute at Auburn University. The podcast features discussions with distinguished guests on pressing cybersecurity issues aiming to elevate the discourse and understanding around digital security challenges. Sounds like a valuable resource. Looking ahead, what are some upcoming opportunities for startups in the Southeast? The Venture Connect Conference in North Carolina is a key event to watch. With a range of startups selected to pitch on stage, the event promises to be a fertile ground for networking, investment opportunities, and the exchange of ideas. This is a pivotal moment for the Southeast startup community, offering a platform for showcasing innovation and forging meaningful connections. Indeed, it's an exciting time for startups in the Southeast, as Celeste just reported. Speaking of startups, traditional banks are now racing to stay relevant as fintech startups continue to gain ground, according to a recent report by Hearts and Wallets, a data and benchmarking firm. The report highlights consumer perceptions and adoption of technology-powered saving and investing solutions. Here to delve into this is Michael, a correspondent for Simply Startups. Can you tell us more about the findings of this report? Certainly, David. The report examined consumer awareness, interest, and trial of 55 technology-powered saving and investing solutions. It found that awareness of these solutions has surged nationally, with nearly 80% of households now informed about these offerings a significant increase from 36% in 2015. And which companies are leading in terms of brand awareness? Fintech newcomers like Robinhood, Chime, SoFi, and Acorns are leading in generating brand awareness across U.S. households. However, traditional banks such as J.P. Morgan Wealth Plan and Marcus by Goldman Sachs have also been successful in driving trials with money among their existing customers. What are the key capabilities provided by these technology-powered solutions? The solutions provide six key capabilities. New entrants predominantly focus on saving, cryptocurrency, and lending, while traditional firms primarily emphasize investment, planning, and human advisors. How does the awareness of new entrants compare to that of new offerings from established firms? Awareness of new entrants surpasses that of new offerings from established firms, 
with 69% of households aware of new entrants compared to 59% for traditional firms. This trend is particularly pronounced among younger households, especially those under the age of 35. Which companies are leading in terms of consumer awareness? Robinhood leads with a 40% awareness rate, closely followed by Chime at 39%, SoFi at 34%, and Acorns at 31%. Among traditional firms, JP Morgan Wealth Plan holds a 19% awareness rate, while Marcus by Goldman Sachs trails slightly behind at 15%. What does this mean for traditional financial services firms? The report suggests that traditional financial services firms should analyze the competitive opportunities and threats of increasing consumer consideration of new solutions. Partnering to provide these offerings may make sense in relation to a firm's capabilities and current competitive position and could offer the scale required to convert awareness into moneyed trial. That's certainly something to consider. Thanks for that, Michael. Now, shifting our focus to the event tech industry, London-based startup Hopin, which reached a valuation of $5.65 billion in 2021, just a year after its launch, is now entering liquidation for its UK parent company as it relocates its headquarters to Delaware in the US. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Startups. Can you tell us more about this move? Certainly, David. A spokesperson from Hopin has clarified that this move is part of a larger internal corporate consolidation initiative. The aim is to simplify their capital structure and operations to drive efficiency across the business. They also added that Hopin's international footprint hasn't significantly changed and the business continues to grow. What about Hopin's assets? Has there been any change there? Yes, last year, Hopin sold off some of its assets, including its original product, the Hopin Events platform, to California-based RingCentral for a reported $50 million. However, Hopin continues to operate several of its remaining assets, including the live streaming platform StreamYard. Hopin had quite a rapid rise to fame, didn't it? Indeed, when Hopin raised its $400 million Series C at a $5.65 billion valuation, it became Europe's fastest-growing startup ever. It didn't stop there, though. In August 2021, it raised a $450 million Series D at a $7.75 billion valuation, capitalizing on the pandemic-fueled interest in virtual events technology. But there have been some concerns about this rapid growth, haven't there? Yes, one of the company's first investors, Seedcamp's Reshma Sohoni, expressed concerns last year that all that funding might have been too much for Hopin's own good. She suggested that when a company gets too much too fast too quickly, it can be a challenging recipe. And what about Hopin's debts? Will they be able to pay them off? According to Hopin's liquidation filings, CEO Badri Rajaseka has stated that the company will be able to pay off its debts in full. That's certainly something to watch. Thanks for that report, James. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Startups. We'll see you back here tomorrow.